0: welcome everybody to the agency freedom podcast where we take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination this is episode 44. my guest for this episode is none other than mr eric sholey agency principal from sacramento california and i wanted to pay tribute to him as an actual viking and get this intro kicked off with a little bit more energy than normal. So sit back and relax, enjoy a few bars of this uh, for you, Mr. Scholey. Yes, he is an actual Viking. So uh, hopefully you enjoy that little uh, little set of bars there. Eric, uh, I, I know you had <laughs> no idea that was happening. So you're either saying yes and fist pumping or you're rolling your eyes at me being a complete goofball. So one way or the other, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, I reached out to Eric a few weeks ago and just said, hey, you want to be on the show? Uh, because I just find him to be very interesting, very engaging. Uh, he, he runs an outstanding shop, uh, as you'll hear about in, in this episode. Very impressive. Uh, he's got his processes, his departments, his team operating at a very high level. Uh, I know you will appreciate this, uh, just like I do. So, as we jump into the content of the episode, let's have the same three requests that I have every week, uh, but I have something special extra. So go ahead and subscribe and drop a review if you haven't already. Share the podcast with somebody uh, in your circle who needs what we uh, are doing. But I wanted to invite you as a new announcement. Uh, We recently started a live weekly complimentary, no cost involved coaching call. Uh, It is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central as I record this. And we're going to do this for the foreseeable future, definitely the next several months at least uh, to get people in uh, and and just help more people receive value and find community and start building a tribe uh, that's not based on uh, a a specific uh, geography or uh, life stage of your agency, but just a community of people that want to get together and grow and be excellent at what we do. So go ahead and join us on that call. I'll put the link in the show notes as well as in the agency freedom group on facebook and with that we're going to jump straight into our episode 44 with mr eric sholey of sacramento california this is the agency freedom podcast
1: let's go there are two kinds of people in the insurance industry those who are captive and those who are free this is the Agency Freedom Podcast.
0: There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month.
1: We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your
0: freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with RiskWell. 17 months, man, it's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way.
1: We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with
0: dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What what's the weather there today? Man, I, I know Sacramento area is typically not known for being bitterly cold, right?
2: Correct. No, we, we have all four seasons, but it's uh, today it'll probably get up to like mid to high sixties. Oh, but man. it's snowing about thirty minutes away from me right now, so it's kind of weird, weird weather. It might rain tonight. We haven't had rain in like two months, so
0: hmm. I feel like drought is always a thing in California. Like you're always. never not in drought conditions.
2: That is correct. Which it's, is it's, weird because oh, like 30%
0: of the nation's produce is grown in California. <laughs> I don't understand you that. Know, that makes no sense to me.
2: It's an issue. Yeah, like we had in December, we had our all-time record for the most rain and snow pack ever since it's recorded this last December. So we were all excited going, oh, it's going to be great. And then in January, we had the driest January ever recorded. So it's just kind of a a give and take here.
0: Hmm. Okay, before we jump into this thing, how do I say your last name correctly? I've always said Soli and kind of like made the J
2: silent. Soli, like the J's and H, Soli.
0: Soli. Yep. Okay, awesome. So Eric uh, Soli from, uh, what's exactly, are you in Sacramento or in one of the suburbs? Sacramento.
2: Sacramento.
0: sweet. Sky Insurance Advisors or agency or what? Brokers, Sky Insurance Brokers. Brokers, okay. You know, you'd think I would have done a little bit of research before we hopped on a call. We'll see how
2: well you remember all this.
0: (laughs) No, no, it's your your brand is on point, man. I I love what you've got going on there. So, um, yep, thank you. Well, let me just go ahead and officially open this thing since we've been recording for a little bit. Um, Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast, man. Thanks for being my guest here. Um, freedom jumpers I invited Eric on one because he's just a really interesting guy uh, he's doing a lot of cool things I love his personal brand uh, the the bravado the just the I am who I am deal with it a way that he does everything in our industry I really vibe with that um, you know he he has been involved behind the scenes in a lot of things uh, and I maybe I'm out of line for saying this, but uh, Nick Ayers could sell to anybody. When Nick decided to get out of the agency game and and focus his attention elsewhere, he he chose to sell to you, Eric. And that says a lot to me about the kind of guy that you are, uh, the kind of of agency principal that you are. Because, I mean, Nick Ayers knows everybody. And the fact that he chose to put his clients in your hands, that says a lot to me. And well, thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know that's not something that's... I thought
2: that was a, a nice gesture of his as well, and I I was honored, uh, honored for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm out of line for saying that publicly, because a lot of people no. aren't aware of that. But I think that's a really big feather in your cap, so I wanted to give you props for that. Um, thank you. Man, uh, you asked what I wanted to talk about in this call. And when I put the word out on Facebook and basically said, hey, Freedom Jumpers, what do you guys like most? What do you get the most value out of the most interesting uh, takeaways? And without a doubt, uh, the, the biggest answer was people want to hear from other agency principals who are doing cool things and operating at a really high level. Uh, and that, that, from what I can tell, man, that is Eric Scholey from start to finish. Uh, so,
2: it's been a work in progress though, so I have I have a lot of topics I can touch on and 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 uh, try to share for people that are are making that transition or or just starting out. So yeah, I'm excited to be on here. I love the idea of of what you're building here. I love this community and the the podcast, so props to you as well for uh, what what you're accomplishing. I think there was a big need for it. Uh, and it's gonna be a huge resource. I've already listened to a number of your podcasts and uh, huge resource for people that are either thinking about making that jump starting a new agency from scratch or just you know in their first couple of years and and might be struggling or wondering wh- where to go or how to build
0: yeah so, you know I, I hesitate. A good,
2: good service out there my man well,
0: thanks brother uh, that means a lot coming from you uh, you're very familiar with the landscape obviously you know as we put the pieces together of what agency freedom evolves into obviously it starts as a podcast uh, and you know you and I have talked offline about what's coming next and I can't share any details yet, uh, just because sure. the details don't exist yet. Honestly, it's not like I'm, you know, being coy or something. Uh, but there's so many coaching programs out there. There's so many masterminds and so many, you know, paid communities. I have no interest in being just another one of those. Uh, when I look at the landscape and ask myself, okay, what is already out there that's operating at a really high level? You know, whether it's it's Carruthers or Mike Stromso's group. Or I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a number of existing masterminds, J- Jason Cass and, and Agency Intelligence. I could name off a bunch. Uh, Chris Burdese, who has a very cool thing where it's this invite yep. only, you know, almost like some kind of Illuminati thing happening up in Connecticut. Yep. Uh, Jason
2: Cass, I mean, he has his community as well. Yeah, his- everybody's
0: got something, it seems. I don't have any interest in being some, you know, guru. Uh, that's, that's not my jam when I looked, it's kind of the same thing about the podcast, you know, like when I launched risk, well, there was no blueprint. There was nobody in the industry. And I looked hard for weeks. It was like, how do I do this? And there was not a single place for anybody to get the, here's how you launch this thing. It, it just didn't exist for early stage agency people. Uh, it didn't exist. So that, that's what I'm trying to build with agency freedom. I'm not trying to duplicate what's already out there. It's more like, find the missing piece and add it to the zeitgeist. So
2: well, I, I love it. And I got to ask you, are you having fun doing it?
0: I I'm having fun building the hard, yeah. Honest to God, the hard part. And Carlos and I have talked about this at length. The hardest part is at the same time, the most credible part is that we are not gurus. We are not full time, yeah. you know, marketing a program or our coaching services or pitching, uh, agency owners on something. Cause Agency owners get pitched more than just about any other job, (laughs) any vertical anywhere in the economy, because we buy everything. There's so many different kinds of vendor that wants to pitch an agency principal. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. So balancing the whole, yeah, I'm running an agency. I'm responsible for making payroll this month and hitting our revenue target. What is our new business? Like all of that. I mean, obviously it's my first priority. That's how I pay my bills. Uh, the, the podcast and all the other things they will be revenue generating at some point, but I'm an agency principal first and foremost. And that's honestly, that's the hardest part. That's why yeah. my, my answer to your question is not a clear. Yes. I love it. It's so much fun. It's, it's necessary. I enjoy the process. This conversation, I really enjoy talking yeah. to cool people that are doing interesting things. I'm, I mean, I'm taking notes just like any freedom jumper or anybody who's listening to this uh, podcast is, you know, sitting there going, oh, I got to remember that. I too, more times than not, I'm going, hmm, I'm just going to write this one down and look at this later because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the beauty of collaboration. Maybe you'll Correct. learn something from me. I know I'm going to learn something from you uh, and we, we both get to be better.
2: i expecting that, so that's the way it is.
0: So a lot yeah, of people don't know me. Eric Sholey, Oh, sorry, you were going to finish your thing before. Oh, no, I was
2: going to say, I, I love one of my favorite quotes. It's actually like a, a pictured meme that I have saved on my desktop. It's, uh, you know Gary Vee and its his quote saying "There's no better feeling than when you're at the start of building a, mo- a monster." But he obviously throws a few other adjective words in there in Gary V style that I won't say on this uh, podcast. Yeah, but it's a uh, but it's a, a pretty neat pretty neat experience, and I always I always love that when you're when you're at the beginning of something or really building something special, and it's just that yeah. that excitement and that vision that starts taking place where you're like, okay, yeah, we're we're onto something here, and it's just nice. And I I know definitely you are there because I see people comment. Um, I see your downloads, so you definitely are making an impact, so good job. Thanks, man. Congrats.
0: No, I, I think the there is that ingredient in literally everybody who has more than a very, very short career in this industry, whether uh, you're listening as a principal or a producer or a core team member who aspires to be a principal at, at some point. Whether you're building a book of business or you're building an agency and a team and whatever that is, that, that builder mentality is present yep. in virtually everybody that I know uh, in the industry. Everybody's building something. Uh, and that just, that's just beautiful. I love it. Um, there's, there's no better industry I've ever found, uh, in all of the clients that I've talked to and all the other industries that you and I both have direct contact with from the client relationship. I haven't yet been like, Hmm, I like your industry better than my industry. I would like yeah, to do what no. you're doing. No, Agreed. no, what we do, it's almost cheating what we do and, and get to, to make money for sure. Uh, so I'm going to put the microphone in your hands, my friend. Um, I would love for you to tell everybody kind of your backstory, uh, how you got to this point in your career, but feel free to share any, any you know, personal elements that you find sure. relevant to, to the conversation to help us understand you better uh, as, as a, as a person, as a leader of a team. Uh, as, as a, a professional, yourself, in your own individual right. Uh, take it away, my friend. Who are you?
2: All right. Yeah, so it, uh, the, the whole story started when I was a young young kid, and I just was dreaming about being an insurance agent <laughs> one day when I grew up. So, no. so i just get just, just like I think everyone in the world, you don't really grow up dream. I mean, there might be a few people, but you don't dream to get into the insurance industry, per se, as you get older. So Myself, uh, like many, uh, I took an indirect route and kind of backed my way in into this industry. So, uh, I got I started really in, in two thousand seven. So we're coming up on what fifteen years uh, in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I started because I wanted to become a financial advisor. I'm a numbers guy. I love numbers. I love money. Um, I like accumulation. I like building. Um, everything you were mentioning a little bit earlier. Um, so I thought, hey, this would be a good calling is to to really help people. Um, with finances, I think there's a huge lack of it in America for training and people's knowledge of, of how to properly save and, and do things. Um, so that was really the route I did. So, um, I joined New York life, you know, got my insurance license, life and Mm -hmm. health, uh, with the goal of getting my securities license and, Mm -hmm. and going that route and have them help, help accomplish all of those. Um, so that was my goal from day one. Uh, but just, I got in, started selling life insurance and actually was pretty good at it. So came out of the gates fast. Um, started selling life, and started enjoying that as well. But still, my focus was going to be on huh. on uh, financial planning.
0: Yeah. Man, what, what a great company do. to pick, though. Of all the ones you could pick, New York Life is <laughs> the 800-pound gorilla for sure.
2: Correct, correct. It was just, I, I had some connections at one of the managing partners there. Hmm. Um, I went in and interviewed and uh, just felt, hey, this would be a good path. Like I said, I I, I knew it was really just a... Uh, a pit stop for me was my idea going in. It was just a necessary part of to get to where I ultimately wanted to be. Um, but with my sales and life insurance, they that company does what they do with any good salesperson is they try to ruin you and, and throw you into management, right? Yep. And uh, so right away, that's where they were trying to groom me move move in um, with New York Life. You can't sell when you're in management. You're no longer allowed to sell, which was Pretty big downfall for me yeah uh, but was still going to pursue that because I love working with people love leadership love training hmm. uh, and then I made my way over to mass mutual Financial Group to be a manager or a managing partner whatever title that, whatever title they give um, and for two years there I basically just trained recruited and developed agents um, on life insurance you know disability uh, long-term care um, annuities all of the above hmm. uh, was 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 a securities license was doing a little bit of that as well.
0: So you have felt uh, the pain of Fenra and Big Brother looking over your shoulder constantly? Oh,
2: yes. I'll get, I'll get to that more in a second here, <laughs> on, of course. It oh, that's is, the worst. It is a whole other beast and a whole other animal.
0: Well, and you had your 65, right?
2: Uh, no, I had a 6 and 63 at the time, and then I was going to go 65 and 7 and go more on the managed side. That was my whole plan. Was, okay. There was a stepping stone to the whole idea I had here. Um, Go ahead, I come sorry. from a family of entrepreneurs. So my dad, I grew up, my dad owned companies. I have five brothers and sisters, you know, four of them own companies mm. still to this day. Uh, so it was just something I was learned at a young age is, Hey, how to build, how to be in that mindset. So I knew ultimately I wanted to own and operate my own place. Um, 2011, I decided to get out of the corporate side cause you know, mass mutual, just like New York live, both, you know, fortune 100 companies, very corporate. Um, very captive to the, to the extent. So on the life side, not the personal line side,
0: yeah, very Kool-Aid.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh yes. I, so I know like, Aid. the farmers, the state farms, all that. I, I know that lingo because they do the same thing on the life side and it's uh, they teach you very well not to like anyone else's product and everyone else's, you know, the worst and yours is the only yeah. one that matters. They're and, all evil and, and
0: incompetent. Them. Yours is the only yes. altruistic, the only beneficial <laughs> option. <laughs>
2: So, yes, yeah, I launched and just completely was going to do just securities and and, and life insurance. Uh, brought over some of my agents with me, uh, and that's where the the whole Finra and SEC and auditing and marketing guidelines um, really started putting its weight down on me. I actually got in in about 2012. I started selling property and casualty only with the idea is to help me recruit more life agents because you know in life insurance it's really. You know, like a lot of sales jobs, you you eat what you you hunt and kill. So you know, you're every month you're starting back at zero for the most part. Very little, very little sustainability long term. So I thought, hey, if I could if I could get agents that could cross sell some property and casualty, um, they could build up a little bit of a base. And hey, this would be great to recruit to. This would give me a leg up against the New York Life, and Mass Mutual. So I kind of backed into property and casualty. But much like life, our agency got really good at it, really efficient at it. Um, and I realized, hey, this is going to be an area that we can grow and, and do a lot of good things in the community and be a huge resource for people. And so um, we started taking off there. And in 2014, that's when I realized with what you were just alluding to, uh, marketing and all that, that the security side for what I wanted to do on the insurance side wasn't, wasn't going to play well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that point, that's when I, I sold off that portion of the, of the book and we became strictly an insurance agency. Um, and we're, we are a generalist. Uh, So we do, you know, group benefits, life, health, uh, you know, commercial and property and casualty. So that's, that's really the track we've been on the last seven years. Um, And I like to tell everyone, um, you know, I've, I've failed my way into success. So Hmm. uh, I've done everything wrong in this industry and found ways to, you know, get through it and find ways to come out on the other side. So uh, I love working with people that are new to the industry or are making that transition because, Uh, it's, it's, it's good to share some of my experiences just to try to save them, save them, or just educate them a little bit. Obviously you learn by making the mistakes. That's the best, best trainer in the world is by failing. So, Mm. uh, it's, uh, but it's still nice to be able to have those conversations and share. Um, I, you know, I tell everyone from the very beginning, I'm, I'm not really an insurance agent. I'm, you know, you want to talk contracts, you want to talk policy language, you know, I have one of my best friends, Aurora. Aurora is fantastic at that. <laughs> one of the competitors here locally, but uh, I'm a business builder, and I just happen to be in insurance. Is really where I'm at. So, uh, but yeah, so that's where we've been. We've been at a great growth curve, and uh, you know, we stand here today, a pretty healthy agency, profitable. You know, have set, have 17 members in my agency, and uh, yeah, we've been on a on a very fun, very uh, energetic ride. Man, so that's where I'm at today.
0: Whew. You just teed up the entire rest of the conversation. I have yes like sir. A five I or, six, it out five for or six follow-ups and there you go. The whole episode is now in front of us. Uh, that's <laughs> fantastic.
2: You say shoot from the hip. That's going to be a dangerous thing when you give me a microphone and tell me to shoot from the hip. You never know what's going to come.
0: You know, I just love episodes like this where I literally have no idea what the finished product is going to be. It's beautiful. Um, you I'm trying to figure out which one of those follow-ups to ask first. I'm going to start with where you, you know, at the top of, of that blurb there. The, the process of going from a, a life and health focused agency to PNC is transformationally different. Like the structure is different. The comp is completely different. The systems and processes, sales and marketing, and, you know, the carrier mix that you're going after. It could not be more different. Yes, it's still technically correct. insurance, but the whole game is played very differently. Uh,
2: it's a whole different industry and a whole different animal. You are absolutely correct.
0: So, when you decided to add PNC as dipping your toe in that water, so you could bring people over uh, and and cross train them uh, into and, into the life and health side of things, at what point did you start to to realize? And, and I guess the better question is, how did that process go? Where you started to see the renewal income, and you started to realize, wait a second, the revenue model in PNC is 180 degrees different uh, than Life and Health. How did that process go when you started to make decisions on making a big shift in your agency?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and really, it it took well over a year before that decision was made. Where it was okay, let's let's actually let's let let's let's focus on this and have this one of be one of our leading verticals here as we grow. Cause really it was from the very beginning, it was going to be kind of like the stepchild of my agency. I really was going to use it more for a recruiting tool Mm -hmm. knowing that we would develop, but I didn't know it was going to happen at the pace it was. So I really thought it was going to be a very slow growth, um, slow transition. I wasn't going to put a lot of energy or effort into it. Um, And you're absolutely right. It is a completely different animal, both in the way it operates, the sales approach um, the mindset behind it. And I'll get more into mindset because that's really what I spend my entire life on and focus on. So we yep. could touch on that quite a bit. Oh, yeah. But uh, but really getting into to all of that. So it was just like any just like, you know, why I didn't become a financial advisor and went into life insurance and management was we just came out of the gates and did better than I predicted at it. It was it was something that I didn't have in my pro forma, my prediction models, and it just got it, it came out of the gates faster and forced me to adapt and navigate and, and pivot on the fly on it. So, um, I had to learn, you know, getting down to how carriers work and life insurance. Um, you know, every carrier wants you, it just depends what, you know, contract rate you're going to get in PNC. That's not the case, right? You're basically interviewing, especially when you first start. Now that'll switch later on in your career, um, when the agency starts to grow. But at first you've got to, you know, at first you're, you're, Interviewing yourself and trying to sell yourself to carriers, why they should give you a contract and let you represent their products. You know, their concern is you know client quality, uh, loss ratios, um, document documentation and auditing. I mean, all of the above. Where so even that approach of building out a portfolio was a whole you know game changer that I I really had to learn on the fly. So so on the P and C side, I am as scratch agency as you can. I did not have. Training on the farmer side, Allstate side, AAA. I had nothing, nor did I have anyone in my office that knew how to do it. So I utilized carrier reps to train me on the fly. Mm. I did a lot of research after hours. um, And I basically picked the brains of people like you and other people in the industry. Um, I, I still remember from the very beginning, I would call other agents I knew and said, hey, explain how this claim would happen here. And I was basically a student as I was building this thing out to really get traction and just try to become a fast learner.
0: So you really did it the hardest possible way. You know, even just about everybody that I've ever talked to, even the ones that did Scratch, you know, they had some kind of experience, some frame of reference. Either they were an employee or they were a captive agent or, 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 or. But you really did come in with zero foundation on the PNC side. Absolutely zero. Yeah.
2: Absolutely zero. And it was, it was, it was a learning curve, but that's where I get to, you've got to, uh, you know, the mindset, you've got to crave the results more than the journey or the activities, right? Um, So I knew what I wanted to build. I was laser focused on it. And I was willing to make every sacrifice to achieve my goal. I was, like I said, laser focused on on getting to where I wanted to go. And I knew it would work. And I just had to extend the burn rate, the run rate, Mm -hmm. and make sure that I can get there and, uh, you know, just have, have faith in my abilities and people around me uh, that we brought in, which I'll share more because that's when I got really smart, is starting to surround myself with, you know, people that are better at things than I am so in the agency.
0: How do you feel about being known as the Viking?
2: I, I take it with pride. I know Aurora started that, but uh, I'm very proud of my heritage. You know, I'm Norwegian, so our family, you know, at holidays we still pr- eat a lot of the Norwegian, Norwegian and Swedish dishes you know, it's, it's embedded in even my kids when it's cold outside, they'll say, I don't need a jacket I'm Viking. So it's just kind of, you know, we joke about it. So I think Aurora decided to really take it to the next level, which is, is hilarious. I don't mind it at all, but it's, uh, it also speaks. I think it also shares with some of my mindset, you know, Uh, I, you know, one of our Christmas parties to our team is, you know, we talk about some of the folklore, you know, Vikings would pull up to invade invade a city on their boats and, you know, the general would, would say hey burn the boats behind you so these vikings knew they're either dying or winning to get off this off the island right so you brought it up a lot of things i do i don't dip my toe in i jump in and i burn the boats and that's just exactly what i do
0: i was going i was toying with the idea of naming this episode eric sholey And the Viking warrior mentality. But (laughs) honest to God, I was about to say exactly what you just said. And I'm sitting here, as it comes out of your mouth, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. He went exactly where I was going to go. That's awesome. That whole burn the ships mentality. Like everything I've seen from you, it seems like that really is how you operate. You're going to, you know, look look at it from the shoreline, you know, view the shoreline from the boat. You're going to decide, is this a smart move? Is this what we need to do? But once you make the decision, you are all in.
2: 100%. So I, I, my decisions are calculated, so I don't want it to be confused. I just blindly no, 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 you know, not run at all. after things and not know. So they're calculated. Um, but once I've made the decision, I've worked through, I always do the Apollo 13. You know, What's the worst that's going to happen if I do that? Yep. Once I've been able to accept the worst that could happen... Uh, then I put my head down and it's, let's run through this wall. And that's where that, that mindset is. It's the only way I know how to do things is I don't want exit strategies, backup plans. Um, you know, when I went independent, I didn't, I know a lot of people work part time somewhere to keep income stream coming in. I did not. Yeah. I completely, you know, I had a, a one year old child at the time. I was married at the time. Um, what I ended up doing when I went independent is I rented out my house that I owned and me and my family moved in a mobile home park for a year and a half. Mm. So building my agency, I lived like m M&M in a trailer park and building this thing out because I was willing to sacrifice everything to get where we need to. So I think sometimes, especially in this industry, especially nowadays with the technology and where it is and where the industry is going, it's going to take a lot of that level of focus um, and just, you know, willing to take on obstacles to succeed and get where a lot of people want to go.
0: No, oh, man, I, I love everything about that. And the whole living in a trailer park thing, uh, that's just part of your lore. You realize that. I mean, sure. this is yeah, like. Not
2: everyone has to do that. I understand that. But yeah. that was the level I was committed to this.
0: No, and, and I think that just speaks to to the intensity that you approach anything that you care about. You know, whether it's uh, Eric the Red or Thor or Stromgard or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, Eric is, uh is building his own lore, it sounds like. No, the legend, shall we say. Yeah, um, no, no, I
2: would not go that far.
0: No, it's a, it's a legend <laughs> in progress. You're not there yet. No, so so you make the decision, hey, you know what? I'm going to put more emphasis on this PNC thing. How do you go about with the mentality? Uh, okay, We already talked about this, but from a process standpoint, and when I was a farmer's agent, I was really good at selling life. I didn't enjoy it at all. Sure. I, it was not something that I, I looked forward to. But because of my background in, in like studying the practice of communication and persuasion and whatnot, I understand the emotional sale. PNC is right. a logical sale. It is a calculated risk management data and statistical based sale. Life insurance is exactly the opposite. And that's something mm-hmm. that people that don't do a lot of life insurance, you know, if they dabble in it as an added revenue stream in your PNC agency, you really don't have any reason to be thinking along these lines but the whole sales process is completely different. You're tugging on people's heartstrings. You are getting them to ask themselves really uncomfortable, difficult questions like, what happens if you die and your family has no money? Like the whole process is different than PNC. So I would love to hear from you, not not in a a procedural standpoint, I just mean for you as, as a leader of a company, how do you go about staying out in front of the change In talking points and the way that you interact with your prospects, because man, that process could not be more different.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, And you're absolutely right. So, you know, speaking on the life side, you're trained to exactly what you just said. Make it emotional, right? That's I mean, that's how people do. You're selling a a piece of paper for a future promise that the person usually isn't going to get the benefit for. It's for the loved ones or business. When You're talking just, you know, from a death benefit standpoint. But by doing that and Getting those emotions. One, you're very comfortable talking at any level with people. But two, you are getting very good, or you're incredible at building relationships. Right? You, you're very good at connecting with people at a deeper level than a very transactional level. So, be able to apply that. We just, you know, I just took, and a lot of people on my team just took that mindset and was able to apply it to this industry, and we had good success at it because it's an industry that is so commoditized. You know, you see the, you know, commercials. I know a lot of podcasts talks about this, but, you know, 15 minutes to save 15%, you know, so easy a caveman can do it. I mean, they're just trying to simplify, you know, take out the relationship and make it so transactional um, that they don't require really the agent role. So we use that to our strength. And that's where we were able to differentiate, which I know a lot of people on the independent side focus on that is, hey, we care about you. You're not just a number. You're not doing a call center. I mean, we did all of those too, but we were able to connect at even a deeper level. um, And we just had success coming in because we were able also to talk about all their insurances. And like you said, we find it often, uh, quite often, a lot of property and casualty agents aren't efficient at selling life because you're right, it's a whole different animal and sales process. And they'll try to dabble in it. And what you'll see is they just sell a two hundred fifty dollars or $500,000 term with zero fact-finding, right? Because they they're uncomfortable getting at that level where we were not uncomfortable doing that. Yep. And it transitioned very well um, to the property casualty. Now, now, I'm not sitting here saying we don't care about price and all that, but we sell off best value, which mm-hmm. obviously accumulates price as well as coverages so and all
0: that. How are you structured on the life side? Because I know there is – for someone who wants to be independent on the life side, you've got Evolve. You've got back Nine. You've got a couple mm-hmm. of uh, digital brokerages that give quite a bit of market access uh, to someone who wants to dabble. For someone who's more serious about it, uh, I imagine you probably have more sophisticated solutions. So how are you structured on the life side of things?
2: Well, our, all, all of ours are direct direct carrier contracts. Um, I am separate from my my agency. I am involved in an MGA on the life side as well, mm-hmm. so um, so we work with agents all over the country. To provide resources as well as contracts on the life side. So um, for us, I have a whole life division in our in our, re- our Sky Insurance Brokers. Mm-hmm. So I have a manager in there. We have three other agents. So we treat it. We have a unit that is trained and treated much like you'll see at New York Life, Mass Mutual, um, and they are specifically all they do is sell life, long term care, and disability. So that's mm-hmm. all they do. If they come up with a opportunity for you know property and casualty or business insurance or something like that. We bring in another team member um they don't we don't we don't try to you know train them on the other cell cycles or processes um, and that's how we were able to do it so we we have it a little bit more um in detail than most agencies because mm-hmm. that's how we started i mean that's still that's yeah that's, that's the your bread and butter I got in this industry. so it's still an area that we excel we write a lot of premium i uh, help a lot of people um and we you know take it to heart because you know, for me, I think life insurance is arguably one of the most um, incredible financial tools a family member can have. Right? I mean, where where else can you leverage a million dollars for legacy purposes for your family um, for you know 40, 50 bucks a month? Nowhere. Mm. So it's just it's a powerful tool, and we we know that it's in the fabric and DNA of our company. So we even train you know train our, our PNC agents just how to at least start the conversation to hand it off to the life people.
0: Now I love that you're taking that specialist approach. Uh, that is. That's how we do it at RiskWall too. We have three departments with you know, real estate investor is the third one. But our personal and our commercial don't mix. Our, mm-hmm. our personal people don't really know anything about commercial. And I'm the entire commercial department right now, unfortunately. Uh, I, I know just enough about personal to be dangerous. But if you ask me something specific about a traveler's policy, I have no idea. Talk to Jonathan. Um, I, I love that siloed off approach where... Everybody on your team has one very specific function and they excel at that one function. You're not trying to cross-train them on stuff that has nothing to do with their core competence. Uh, I think that's Absolutely. that's excellent leadership. Hey Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. A nationwide brokerage solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly Changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry, thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com.
2: Well, thank you. And that's where, I mean, I was going to name off a few things here, but i will kind of transition in, a, in, in what I would like to give advice to someone just starting.
0: Absolutely. Go a, for it, man. A, call
2: them what? Freedom jumpers? Is that what they're called? Yeah.
0: And the freedom jumper okay. is... That's like part it. of it's a marketing thing. It's some, yeah. I, At first I was thinking it is the name that I'm giving to someone who is leaving captivity and yeah. launching something. But then I was starting to realize as this thing goes on, Freedom Jumper is anybody who is leaving a place of uh, of captivity other than the, the carrier is captive, but a mentality, a, a way of sure. doing business, an operating, a procedure. Like if you're held captive by your team... And you upgrade your leadership abilities and, you know, break free from that kind of captivity, well well, you're a freedom jumper. You may yeah. not be leaving no, a captive carrier necessarily. So like the name Freedom Jumper is kind of evolving as this thing moves yeah. on. But go on, you've got some great advice yeah, for no, us. So
2: I, I love I love reading books and I, I know you mentioned on Facebook that you got into it a few years ago and have been gobbling stuff up, but mm-hmm. Um, One of the books I read a long time ago before even starting the insurance industry was – or at the very beginning, I should say, is – and I I don't know if you've read it, but E-Myth or E-Myth Revisited by Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Gerber. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was – from the very beginning, from the very beginning, and it caused issues, but it also it helped me develop and have a vision for this agency that speaks on exactly what you're talking about, more specialized roles – is I was working on the business rather than in the business a lot a lot from the very beginning. I actually, you know, I had some friends in the industry that were actually teasing me going, are you even an insurance agent? You know, because I was learning to delegate and try to put people where they can use their skill sets to the best. Yep. A lot of our industry, like a lot of other industries, especially trades, you know, you'll have an agent that's just really good at selling insurance, really good at insurance. And that's what's called a tactician, right? I don't know if you've, yep. if you've read the book, you refer, refers to him as a tactician hey, I'm so good at this. I can do this better than the boss. Why am I make, growing the business for them? I'm going to go out on my own. What they find very quickly is a tactician will hit a glass ceiling very quick because yeah. they don't know how to be the business owner or desire to be the business owner and everything that comes with that. And there's a whole whole other bag, as we all know, as you, I, I know you know, um, that comes with you know running and operating an agency from the top. Um, so from my very beginning is, okay, I will have to have moments of being a tactician, but how can I continue to develop where I can work as much on the business rather than in the business to that extent? So that was my mindset from the beginning. So I built my whole agency because even on the personal line side, I, my account managers don't do new income business sales. I have complete in-house, 100% incoming sales agents as well. So we even divide that up as well, where it's, everyone knows their role um extremely extremely good in our agency uh, from the point of a client interaction coming in um, from our referral sources to when that when that baton's handed off to the account managers and how how that process plays out moving forward and we've even defined that a lot more cuz it's last year and a half I've worked with Kelly Donahue with Agency Performance Partners hmm. and she's helped us really redesign our service side uh, substantially so it's um it's been a pretty good pretty good option but yeah specializing is key so lot law, law, lawyers do really well at that you know law firms they always have specialists in everything um, our agencies built similar.
0: You know, you are kind of the the opposite of what I, I normally preach, and the whole the riches is in the niches or niche as you gave me a say, hard time say for niche.
2: niche. I, I, one of my, I'm just that so was my favorite moment of Ioa. Just so you know that. <laughs>
0: When, when Carruthers gave me a hard time for being Oh, when bu- you went up bougie. there, you
2: went, you went niche on, on us. And then, yeah, Carruthers came up and said, I'm not calling it that. It's niche. I'm blue collar. That was just fantastic. That yeah, was like, <laughs> good 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 fun by everybody, oh, right?
0: Thanks, David. Now I'm yeah. a schmuck. Okay, whatever. Um, he's he's right. Most people do say how do you, niche.
2: How do you say Paris?
0: Paris. <laughs> yeah,
2: I was going to say, do not go Kanye West here.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. No, I can't help myself. No, but th- that, that whole niche mindset, uh, you have turned it on its head. Uh, and, and I will echo what my friend and colleague Ryan Hanley says uh, regarding the whole generalist versus specialist thing. And he said it unequivocally that in his mind, and I agree with him, that there's only two ways to be successful uh, in the current and, and certainly in the future as this thing becomes even more complex with, uh, with embedded insurance and direct writers and captives and whatnot. There's only two ways to be successful in, in a distribution method. You either have to be a very clearly defined specialist in, mm-hmm. in a, a small number of verticals, or you have to be a generalist that is intentionally focusing on one specific geographic area that is, you know, g- you know, draw a radius from your physical office location and be the generalist in your specific geography. There's only really two ways to do it at scale successfully. And it, you're the first that I've talked to on this podcast that has dove all the way into the generalist pool and said, this is who we are. This is who we're going to be. But how do you do that at scale? Because you've got a large and successful operation and you yeah. said, "Yeah, no, we don't need to be a niche. Well, we're going to be a generalist. We're going to deliver every possible line of business for our client, but we're going to do that. Very successfully and at scale. I'd love to hear your your methodology on exactly how you do that so effectively, and how sure. you resist the temptation to niche down.
2: Okay, so I will start off that we. I mean, I guess we do have a couple of verticals that could be considered niche a little bit, and it was built out of necessity just because we, you know, most of our clients are in California. Mm-hmm. So, you know, California, Flo- California, and Florida. Everyone in the you know country knows those They're those the hardest are two markets. Very unique insurance worlds. Um, every carrier wants to be here cause they're, they're big carrots to dangle, but how can they be profitable? Right. So, um, you know, our entire state burns once a year or twice a year. Um, so from that, we did have to build a high fire division in our office. So again, breaking down more specialists in our office. So we have a team, all they do is high fire stuff. Once it's been declined from all of our preferred markets by our, our, our regular in-house salespeople, it goes to. A high fire specialist department. Our 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 lead guy there is Adam Levine, spelt exactly like Maroon Five, but he looks nothing like Adam Levine from Maroon Five. Um, and you know, he's he's a gentleman that has a law degree and everything. And and he goes in now and fully underwrites these. We're mapping out, you know, distance to fire station response times, fire hydrants. So we do we do specialize there to an extent. So we are known as one of the areas or one of the agencies in the area to deal with high fire insurance, which is a big problem where we're at stationed out of, you know, based out of Sacramento, right? The the valley here, the foothills. So, um, and I I learned like, you know, to give a shout out, I learned a lot there from one of my best friends. A lot of people know her, Aurora Aurora Mullet. She is, that is her niche. I mean, she is a phenomenal resource there, um, but we've kind of built alongside her to help with, there's a big need out there and and she's, and her and I share and collaborate a lot of ideas there. So she has been phenomenal for me. Um, so we've built there, and then you know we work very efficiently and very well in the lender real estate market. So we have you know full-time marketers and all sorts of things there as well. Um, so we've built out those that can be considered niche because it's a marketing piece, um, and we we are well known as a player in there. So to start start there, we do have a couple of things that can be considered that within our agency, mm-hmm. but but you're absolutely right. I call myself a generalist agency, and we we are for the overall blanket and umbrella from the outside looking in. Um, but the way to accomplish that and grow is a couple things. Um, very early on, I realized I need to surround myself with people that are better than me at certain tasks and jobs. Um, so I had to learn very quickly to delegate. Again, going back to the working on rather than in the business. Yep. Um, and I did that at a cost. I was willing. mentioned like moving in the mobile home and all that. I didn't need. A, I I didn't need to be rich right away. I'm playing the long game here, and that's and I am patient as as can be on that. So. You know, when our revenue was up, I was even the first few years, profitability wasn't as important because I probably carried more payroll than an agency my size in the first few years um, because I was all about accumulating talent because I knew where we were taking this. I had a vision. And like I said, I put my head down, burn the boats, and let's roll. Yep. Um, so the way that allowed me to scale as a generalist was completely investing up front because that's what it takes in either talent, um, technology, resources, what have you. Um, and uh, and then continue to go find those key people that you can bring in. Um, that would help. We've also done it through certain markets and all that. We've acquired a number of agencies over the years as well. So I, I do play in the acquisition game um, also, um, and we do that to help implement, you know, either marketing strategies um, or certain carrier contracts, um, all the above into those markets as well. So. Um, we, we've used both those tools, very traditional tools, but I mean, I can't stress enough how honored I am to work with the people that we have at our agency. Uh, even when I, you know, I come into the office and I'm like, man, how are these people working for an agency that I started? It's just, it still pinches me. So that's, that's really how you do is just surrounding yourself with, with good people to help build, um, take your pride out of it and, and, and find people that are smarter than you in certain areas, you know?
0: Man, that so much gold in that probably going to be backing it up and listening to that little blurb. Uh, a couple of times one definitely shout out to Aurora mullet and thank you yep. for bringing her uh, up there. She definitely deserves it. She without a doubt one of the most interesting and, and genuinely kind hearted people. She can be prickly as all get out if you get on her bad side. She has teeth for sure That's uh, the
2: beauty about her. She is who she is and you trust her wholeheartedly and she is but she is an amazing human being.
0: She absolutely incredible. I have seen several different aspects of her personality. I don't yet know her that well, uh, but she's incredibly genuine. Gave me some very difficult feedback of you know what I needed to I hear. I've been on that side of the
2: conversations before too. So I was we're like, the same
0: Man, club. that is savage. I'm really glad you said that, and you're you're correct in your assessment. I do need yeah. to work on that in exactly the way that you said I need to work on that. <laughs> but gosh, that's hard to hear. <laughs> Yeah. No, so Aurora, if you happen to listen to this, uh, you are amazing and I look forward to getting to know you better in the future. Um, Back back to you, Eric. One of the things that you brought up there, and I know this is something you have to have put thought into uh, and, and you're probably intentional in how you approach it. In order to be a generalist, you really have to be intentional and very specific at resisting the shiny object syndrome, as we call it. Uh, of resisting the urge to chase the new thing or to chase an opportunity that maybe outside of your core competence you know there you know dollar signs can can lure you somewhere how have you built such a a great operation that stays inside the box that you have designated as your desired box and i don't mean like inside the box as in lacking innovation yeah. i just mean you have set up the box and you said this is who you want to be and you obviously are disciplined to continue to be that. So talk about I, uh, that for a second. Yeah,
2: no, that, that's that's that is correct. But at the same time, I uh, you know mentioned earlier on, I've I've failed my way to success here, um, so I do have issues at times because I'm human with a shiny object, you know, issue, um, especially when I go to IOA events or you know you know interact or have conversations with people across the country. It's like, oh man, we could do that out here. How can we do that? Uh, much like David Carruthers, if you looked at my GoDaddy account, I have so many own domain names of ideas I've had that I've never taken to market. So I, I do test pilot behind the scenes or even sample market stuff here. Um, so I have put energy and time into the shiny object, unfortunately. Um, but before I burn the boats and go all in, I got to calculate and make sure it's something. So I have tested out a number of things over the years and decided. Exactly what you said. This isn't really going to fit how we're building, or make sense in the long run. And I don't see it in a scalable, you know, scalable uh, place for us in this agency. Uh, and it's not a wise w- place to use our resources. So um, I do test a lot of things out behind the scenes, um, and and give a lot of thought and energy, and do certain things. Um, you know, even going back to Carruthers when he was showing, you know, his wedding insurance, you know, sites and all the direct to consumer stuff and all of that. Um, You know, I I would be lying if I didn't consider that. How could we implement that? And who, you know, those are all things in the back pocket that if we have time and energy in the future. We can maybe pull back out. But so, so to answer your question, I do look at some of that and it is an issue and it is something that everybody has to be cautious of. Yeah. Um, can it be costly? Absolutely. Not only in resources and and money, but more importantly, resources and time. Right. So, um, and I've definitely paid the piper on both of those on many occasions. Mm. Um, and then just not, not went full force into it and pulled it back out. So um, I had to, I had to actually get to the point where I was careful even sharing with my agency some of the stuff that I was considering because I didn't want them to think that we were bouncing around too much on some of the stuff, you know, to focus. So, yeah. Uh, but then that's where it's nice having people like yourself, and I have a lot of colleagues and great relationships across the country. But you know, we've kind of have our own little. Uh, you know crew here in sacramento everyone, you know, it's freaks everyone out when they see us together on social media and everything because we're technically all competitors all well-known in the area um, But we're all great friends and, and and resources So I bounce ideas all the time off on them knowing that you know They can implement it and run it in my backyard here uh, No concern. So, so that's always nice too because I, I talk through a ton of things with people weekly And that always helps navigate that too.
0: Well the beauty of what we're all doing if we really do Practice that blue ocean mentality on a day to day. We're not just saying we practice it, but in reality, we really hope our yep. our peers fail. We hope that we're better than them. But I mean, like actually practice a blue right. ocean mentality. There's so much business to go around, and when we so much. when we take into account the market share that direct riders and captives and direct to consumer insurers have, though the independent channel as as a a body there is so much that we can take together uh that i mean that's really what i see as my my competition is the billion dollar marketing budget that is putting bad information in front of my prospect and teaching them to be transactional and you know helping them prop up bad habits for how they buy their policy like, that's what I see as the opposition. So I, when you say stuff like that, man, I just love it. Cause-
2: yeah, it's an abundance mindset. I mean, I, I talk about that often. Um, you know, I, I consult or work with a lot of people that are starting businesses here locally. Um, so I have conversations all the time. And it's just, you know, one of the biggest deterrents, and this would be for anyone making that freedom jump or getting into the independent side, um, you, you, want, you want to turn people off the successful people off in our industry is have that scarcity mindset and anyone that has an abundance mindset can sift that out so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like oil and water. So I've had conversations where I could tell someone's fishing for information and then not wanting to share or collaborate. I know there's a hidden agenda behind it. Um, it's unfortunate because what you just alluded to is what the beauty of our industry is, but also IOA, you know, better together in, in general is just that abundance mindset and yep. um, and it's not geographical it's not even you know I'm sure I know you you work you you work really well in the real estate investors market I bet you know you, you and Sloan probably talk all the time on how to on a better and you guys mm-hmm. work in the same markets and go after the same clients and yeah. all of that so yep. it's just you know it's exactly it's, it's a beautiful thing so that abundance mindset is critical for long-term success in this industry well the um, thing
0: you know. and you bring up Justin Sloan uh, who is as you said, he he specializes very, uh, very much so in working with real estate investors. And we do too. I mean, literally 40% of my agency revenue is in the real estate investor vertical. Um, it is very interesting to me that I've only gone head to head. When I say I, I mean we. Like RiskWell and uh, sure. BSB has only gone head to head three times out of almost 6,000 properties that we currently insure, we've only ever even seen them on a competing quote three times out of how, yeah. however many quotes we've done. We, we close more than 70% of every quote on the REI side, so it's, it's, there's not a huge disparity between written and quoted. But just the fact that we have a specialist and another specialist and there's so much business to go around. Correct. Those two specialists almost never see each other, even though they're going after exactly the same profile. <laughs> so.
2: so true. And that's so not true. even
0: taking into account uh, the other people uh, in, in the, the country that focus on real estate investors, like uh, the, the Russ Castle. And uh, gosh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm forgetting your name. He's in Indiana. He's with Shine. Um, he does a lot of stuff on YouTube. I can't think of his name. Uh, Jeremy Goodrich. There, I just thought of him. Sorry. Okay.
2: Um, the, Good memory recall. There. Yeah. Right on.
0: It was like if I keep talking about him long enough, I'll remember his name. Um, but we never. I never see any of them. And every single one of those people I just mentioned are prolific in writing real estate investors, and I virtually never run into any of them because yep. there's so much business to go around. And I think anybody who is Practicing a scarcity or red ocean mindset. One, I just feel sorry for you. Two, Correct. I'm going to dominate you and make you look silly <laughs> with the prospect. Yep, it, it, It's just so easy. They dig their own trench. It's like they're just going to hand a shovel to that person and say, here you go. Go ahead and dig.
2: 100%.
0: So... Man, we're we're coming close to uh, the end of the episode here. Uh, anything I thought else?
2: We're gonna be- do a two-hour sesh.
0: Oh, my bad. No,
2: it have yeah, to be part one ready or part to rock and part two. Man, I'm just warming up here. Okay, guys. okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Well, tell you what, I'm gonna go grab some lunch, and you can just solo this thing for about 30 minutes. Sound good?
2: Yes. I, <laughs> hey, like I said, give me the mic. I'll run. No.
0: What what uh, what do you want to hit before we go? I know we've had a uh, exactly as I thought we would a rather eclectic conversation. What else you want to touch on before we land this plane?
2: Yeah, I, I want to touch on company culture real quick, and just and just mindset. Just kind of, I want to blabber a little bit if you don't mind. No, go for it. So important. Um, it's something that I hold near and dear to my heart. So, um, when you're building a company and having a team, company culture, I think is often overlooked, especially in the world we're in now, where everything's remote. Um, trying to navigate and find that that sweet spot, which it can be done because we were always a in-office type agency. I was always against remote work, yada, yada, yada. COVID completely changed my mind on that. And now um, we're a nice mix of in-office and have a lot of remote people, Mm -hmm. Uh, but just working around that company culture to drive a incredible workplace and a fun workplace for your team. You're going to find everyone to be more productive in that sense. Um, And really then tie in your values and mindset. I, I, I don't, if you've if you followed me at all on social media, you know, our marketing is, is refused to be average, right? That's our, our focus, um, and that's the mindset that's in our company DNA. It's our rally cry, um, and it's an area we go. Um, part of the area, you know, from, from getting that, um, I don't, have you ever read the book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins?
0: That guy is an animal.
2: No. Have you read his book? Or yeah, even I, better? The, yeah, the, the, a, the, the Audible,
0: book. where he just ad-libs after every chapter, is yes. flat-out incredible.
2: I tell everyone, do not read the book, get the audio, because how he just goes on those tangents after every chapter is <sighs> incredible.
0: I, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. It's kind of my thing. I can't tell you. I don't think there's another book that I've read or listened to. Or At the end of each one of those stories, I'm just literally jaw open going, golly, that is just savage. How does someone You're go right? that far? It just, honestly, it's, it's staggering what what he did with his his willpower. It's an incredible book.
2: But what he did was he was able to, like he calls it callousing the mind, right? He has the 40% rule, where he thinks most humans have a regulator, whether it's uncomfortableness, pain, whatever have you, your body talks you into stopping at 40%. You know, in our industry, we put ourselves in a lot of uncomfortable situations. I would also say there is the majority of agency owners in our industry, I would consider average, right? Yeah. Um, they get to a certain size, hit that ceiling, and they yeah. just are happy. Well, you by see definition, carriers their the, comp. The,
0: yeah. the the bell curve is average. When you t- when you call someone average, that's not an insult. You're just the middle of the bell curve. You're 50th percentile. What I'm, saying,
2: what I'm saying is they hit a spot and they're comfortable and that's yeah. where they want to be, which, they is, stop which trying. is great. That's why you see carriers, that's why you see carriers change their entire comp now to like growth and all that because they're trying to You know, buck that curve and get everyone to continue to push. So, if you practice that and think, okay, a lot of the stuff I do in life, whether it's, you know, working out or let's talk business, I probably hit a regular at 40%. What's that untapped potential that you could do and make a great change like you're trying to do here with uh, this podcast and in the industry? you have 60% probably more to go under that theory. And that's exciting because now you're going to play at a level that most people aren't going to be. Mm-hmm. And if you can get in that mindset and realize, man, if I'm willing to go there and cross that and callous the mind, um, you could do some powerful, incredible things And it's all about making an impact. And you're going to be able to do that, whether it's within the industry with your peers, or with your clients in the community, right? Mm. Um, and and really go out there and, like you said, go against the people that are trying to commoditize and make insurance not that important. And you see an entire town burn down like we did a few years ago, and a majority of the people were grossly underinsured because they were they were working with commoditized type agents. You know, they just were trying to place slap policies on. So uh, that's really important, um, and I think it's just something that I think needs to be thought more from agency owners, but especially people getting in the industry is is what legacy do they want to leave from day one, and how do they want to operate? And I think if you, if you pull from that length, you're going to be just all right moving forward.
0: Man, that that is solid advice right there, my friend. Anytime you are referencing David Goggins, you are probably heading in a good direction.
2: I was trying to, I was trying to get Nick Ayers to get him to better agency because he was asking his speakers, were. I didn't know why he was pulling that, but I was just like, oh my gosh, because that's one of my things. I would love to see David Goggins talk live. and Well, and the
0: thing is, he's it. local to Arizona. He lives in the Phoenix area.
2: So, did not know that. Yeah,
0: at, at least he did at one point. I'm not sure if he does currently, but, but he did. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be a plane ride for Mr. Goggins to show up at Better Agencies yeah. Conference. No, I'm so, going gonna, gonna to cross my fingers there. Hey, Nick Harris, if you're listening to this, get you some David Goggins.
2: Get Goggins. I, I, I mean, I'll even wrestle someone on stage if you want to kind of go with him firing up the crowd or whatever. Right? Let's man. just get Goggins out
0: there. Honest to Sarah God,
2: Daniel,
0: I don't know if our peers can handle David Goggins. There are so many... How do I say this without being rude? Um, there are a lot of people that are perfectly happy with where they are, and they have no he intention scare, of growing.
2: scare a lot of people, make a lot of people uncomfortable, but hey, that's where you grow, man. Get uncomfortable.
0: As he would say, they're soft. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to call this song, but words. he would say, yeah.
2: Yeah, he uses other words that I don't want to say on this podcast. But yeah, <laughs> we both
0: know exactly what he would say. And let's just say, yes. uh, I prefer to keep this podcast PG-13, and he goes all the way into R. So, no, he does. Yeah. He does. which, honestly, I respond well to that in a pump you up kind of sense. Because, I mean, let's be honest, when I'm at the gym trying to go hard at something, I've got the metal, and I've got lots of profanity in my ear because that's yep. just how I get fired up. It's not Absolutely. how I need to talk to someone. But, Correct. I mean, I respond well to that. And that kind of plays into the Viking warrior mentality, right? I mean. 100%. Man,
2: a- anything we miss? I do not like being comfortable. I've done it my whole life and I didn't realize it till these last couple of years that I purposely put myself in uncomfortable situations. Because that's just, that's where I operate. Not to keep name dropping books, but. You know Tim Grover winning and relent- winning and then uh, you know the Relentless yeah. book. He talked about that pushing yourself into the uncomfortable positions and being okay yeah. there. At first, I always thought, "Why do I do this to myself? Why do I make it hard?" I was had this conflict forever. Like, why can't I just be happy? Yeah. I'm wired just to be uncomfortable, and I just got to be okay with that. And that's that's phenomenal too. But it's you know keep pushing the envelope and growing. I love it. Everyone kind of learns differently.
0: Right? And Tim Grover is is I don't even know what to call it. He he is. Intense to the point of making me uncomfortable reading his stuff because some of what he what he says it just comes out as really harsh and yeah. not even beneficial motivation but just like harsh motivation like like insulting someone to motivate them and, and that definitely works for some people and I, I guess you don't get to be Michael Jordan's personal trainer for twenty years. Well,
2: I was gonna say, look who he's worked with: Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan, among others. These people are the elite of the elite at what they do. Yeah. They've been surrounded their whole life with yes people, pampering them. I the one the percent of the, the one percent. Yeah, he's got to be direct, and and there's and those people don't have time. Don't sugarcoat it. Just come at me straight.
0: Man, I, I have loved Doodle. this. This has been a solid fifty-seven minutes. Definitely one of my favorite Good. agent interviews. Uh, anything you want I to add before that, we uh, before we land the plane? Anything we missed? Uh,
2: no, I mean i no. I mean, I can keep going on and on, but I think this would be a, a good time to stop. Um, just an, another – I'll throw one more book because I love books out. One more book. If, I don't know if you've read it. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight.
0: Yeah. How do we have the same yeah, list, man? That story is
2: incredible, and and here's why I want to highlight it. Nike, there's a million different times Nike should have been dissolved in the first 5, 10 years of its existence. That yeah. 99.9% of people would have given yeah. up, and this is why I think it's important for anyone starting a business, read that book. But listen to the undertones of perseverance because yep. I think Phil Knight deserves every ounce of success he's achieved because he did things that 99.9% of people would not have done to continue on with his vision. Yep. And I think that's where you need to dial in because if you're coming into this world, agents, you know freedom jumpers, um, it could be scary, especially especially now with all the tech. and you said it embedded embedded insurance, direct carrier riders, all the technology—it's scary. The technology they're implementing out here, in California, for the fire wind mapping and yep. all that stuff. Um, when you—you know—you have big brothers coming. I mean, everything's coming in, so it could be scary. But you just gotta persevere, burn the boats, and go out there and make it happen, and, and write your success story because it's—it's out there. Surround yourself with good people. Um, you know, I consider you one of those as well, James. But there's a ton of people in our industry. Everyone's here willing to help, yep. and uh, let's get after it. And let's go. Let's go make a change. I- and I'm going to end on
0: that. You know, the, the last thing that I will say, because you you did touch on the embedded thing. I I kind of sprinkled that in the group just to chum the water, so to speak. And I was, I wouldn't say surprised, but a little disappointed at a lot of the comments that came back as like, oh no, it's just the next thing. It'll come and go. It, it's it's no big it deal. I'm like, <laughs> if if you think embedded insurance is a come and go, and you just ride it out, and it'll go away. Embedded insurance is not a flash in the pan. I'm not going to steal from I've, my future. Com- go ahead, sorry.
2: Yeah, I've had some conversations with some tech companies that are looking to get into industries to to embed insurance, and in that you wouldn't even think. And really, their game plan is everyone's like, "Oh, direct rider." They'll use a direct rider. They're only going to get a small portion. Uh, that might be f- that might be correct at first, but they're just trying to gather data, yeah. and then what they're going to be able to do. I mean, you already see it, like with openly how they do their coverage A up to 5 million, they're going to be able to encompass a much larger base rather than the specific client type with the policies that they're going to be able to write with the data they're capturing. It is absolutely a real threat. It's not the end-all to insurance, but it is absolutely something people would prepare. So if you ever do a podcast with a roundtable discussion on it, I would love to be on that with you.
0: I will absolutely include you on that because I think when I look at the landscape and of all the conversations that I have, just talk and shop with people. I think embedded insurance as a category is, and I said this in the post and I wasn't being hyperbolic. I really do think embedded is probably a bigger threat to the IA channel in the next, call it, I don't know, 10 years, certainly the next 10 years, maybe not the next five necessarily. But as we look at the next decade, A decade from now, there are so many people that never make it to an agent's office because they bought at checkout.
3: And and it is a
0: fully embedded product that the independent agent doesn't even have the opportunity to engage because they're not a prospect, because they bought at checkout with some other thing. And if we as as agents are not... uh, If we're not ready for that and proactively engaging with our people before they ever get to a checkout, where they've got that tempting little checkbox of, do you want insurance for this product that you're buying? We'll just we'll yeah. just wrap it into your purchase. No big deal. And we're not advising the client on, hey, just so you know, when you see a box at checkout offering the package insurance, you don't want to do that. And here's why. Here's the better alternative. Let me know if you need help with XYZ. We have to be having that conversation. In the same way that we have the conversation of, you know, you write a, a, a prospect and you bring them in as your client. If you're not actively telling them, hey, you're going to get solicited by 50 agents in the next year, Correct. you're going to be contacted by people that want to write your insurance. Just remember, yep. we are a fully independent office. If you get a mailer, if you get a solicitation from someone, just check with us first because the likelihood is very strong that we can do whatever they can do. And you already know us and like us and trust us. So... Just come on back to daddy. (laughs) Yep.
2: No, exactly. Exactly. And then embedded, you either got to compete up front with them, which absolutely can be done, or you got to get really good at marketing and recapture it and go after them after the fact. I mean, it can both, there's two avenues to go after it and both can win, but you just, you've got to be prepared and pretend like it doesn't exist. Yep. Um, which a lot of agents unfortunately do. So,
0: man, I, I got to wrap it up there because we're getting into stuff right, that man. is another twenty or thirty minutes of conversation. And yeah, I hear you. So, <laughs> man, Eric Sholey, how do people get a hold of you if they want to connect? If if you said or did something that really piqued their interest, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, with I mean,
2: you? they can look up my agency, Sky Sky Insurance Brokers. It's a skyinsurancegroup.com dot com. Or, I mean, I'm on all the social media. I'm pretty active in Ioa. Um, yep. so definitely hit me up. I get, I get reached out to often on Facebook messenger from IOA members and, and have conversations all the time on various topics. And like I said, I have an abundance mindset, so I, I'm here to help. But like you said at the beginning is not, there's not a single conversation that I don't learn from as well. So it's just a, a never ending process and we all help each other better together. I, I've right? got a question. Right, Dave Jackson.
0: If, if I, if I get and you'll need to tell me, you know, your sizes and everything. If I get an actual real viking costume with the horn helmet and everything will you wear it in nashville
2: yeah or you can wear it and match me because i already have one i <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I probably would especially i'm not uh not drinking too much right now even though i'm i'm catching a plane tomorrow morning to mardi gras for my first time in my life so it should be interesting but uh but yeah if i have a few drinks aurora gets me having a few drinks or someone out there uh 100 i'll wear a viking costume for you
0: <laughs> Love that. Now, a quick question on Mardi Gras, because my my friends uh, Eric Garcia and Bradley Flowers have an ongoing war over which one is the authentic Mardi Gras. Are we talking about New Orleans or Narlins, as they say down there, or Mobile, Alabama?
2: Uh, New Orleans. I didn't even know there was one in Mobile, Alabama, so that might answer your question from someone on the West Coast. Uh, yeah, I've never been to New Orleans, so... We're, we're. I have a couple of my friends. We're flying out tomorrow morning, and we're going to be running around for three days there. So we'll see. We'll mm. see what not only the city has to offer, but mm. the actual Mardi Gras parades and all that has to offer. It should be a very, let's just say, interesting experience. I'm going. I, I did not research. I'm going in completely open minded and ready for whatever comes at me.
0: The only suggestion I will make is if you don't have your weight in gumbo and crawfish etouffee, then you have made a mistake because. New Orleans has absolutely the best Cajun food anywhere in the country. Hands We've down. already
2: booked nice uh, dinners at, at the nice restaurants all three nights we're going to be there, and we plan on hitting the bakeries up in the morning. Yeah, it will definitely be a foodie tour Ooh. along with drinking, oh, yeah. and we're we're doing a swamp tour. I mean, we're gonna I'm gonna go look at the cemeteries. I'm gonna be Mr. Tourist there while we're there.
0: Awesome. Yeah, the beignets, the hurricanes, the drink, not the weather event. Yeah, I'm looking Man. for a ten pound yeah. gain over
2: the next four days, so we'll see how that it, works out.
0: You're headed to the right city if you're trying to gain 10 pounds. Man, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time. Uh, folks, he is Eric Scholey with Sky Insurance Brokers in Sacramento, California. And this has been the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care.
1: Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite podcasting platform to get automatic updates on every new episode and help other people find us organically. If you like the content you hear, please drop us a quick review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share agency freedom with someone you know who is still on the captive side of the insurance world. They'll thank you later you can connect with other freedom jumpers ask questions get advice and share your best practices in our facebook group just type agency freedom podcast in the search bar visit our website at agencyfreedompodcast.com to sign up for our email list and get access to exclusive resources and sign up to be a potential future guest on the show we welcome your comments feedback and ideas Email podcast at riskwell.com and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help our listeners go from captive to indie to market domination.
3: Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it.